Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Hello! Church at the Springs, what is happening? Hey, uh, again, as Ron mentioned, my name is Doug. It's so good to be with you guys again. And if you have Bibles or phone apps, you can open them to Luke chapter 11. If you don't know where that is, just Google search it. That's totally okay. God blesses Google searches as well. So just Luke chapter 11 is where we're gonna be today. And as Ron mentioned, we're in this series. As you guys are opening up, let me uh, set the context for the series. Uh, some assembly required. The 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 idea behind the series is that uh, when it comes to relationships with friends, neighbors, coworkers, your family, even God, you're going to have to work at it. It's just going to require a little bit of effort. Now, you may be here today and you've been following God for some time, or maybe you're here today and, you know, you're kind of exploring who Jesus is. And you may be under this assumption that once you follow God, like all your dreams come true. You know what I mean? Like you immediately start to follow God and it's just magic. Like it just kind of appears. Like uh, I, I mentioned this uh, to our church last week. You guys, uh, do we have anybody in here who likes sushi? Do we have any sushi fans? Show your hands, sushi fans. Okay, that's a lot more than I thought for Ocala, Florida. Gotta be honest. Anybody in here that doesn't like undercooked fish? Anybody who's, okay, cool. That's the camp I'm in too. But sushi people, you guys are good too. Like if you've ever been to a sushi restaurant, right? You know that, um, you know, they bring out the fish and you eat it. But sometimes there's those fancy family-friendly sushi restaurants that have the conveyor belts that go around the restaurant. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been to one of those? Okay. Okay. You guys, so you, you know what I'm talking about, sir. You get this. Okay. This, this is for you only. Okay. Everyone's going to need you to explain this later on. Uh, so just meet in the lobby and you know, we'll, we'll take care of that. Uh, they have the conveyor belt system in these restaurants where you sit down with your party, you pay a fee and you sit down and then the chef puts sushi on the conveyor belt and it just comes by every table. And so like, if you want something, you're like, man, I really want this. And there's a little plate and you just take it off and you go, oh, this is great. You eat some and then when you're done, another plate comes by and you just take it off. You're like, wow, it's a really interesting delivery system. And we kind of think sometimes when you start to follow God, things happen this way, right? It's like, I, I, you know, God, I'm, I'm finally following you. I just really want to get my marriage together. And God's like, okay. And then bam, the next day marriage is together. Like it should just happen kind of magically. We can all think that. And when our marriage doesn't get better the next day, or when it's difficult to have a relationship with that one kid or that parent, or when we, we don't find friends immediately, we can think to ourselves, well, maybe something's wrong with me or maybe something's wrong with God. And can I just tell y'all something? Nothing could be further from the truth. There's nothing wrong with you if that's you today. And there's nothing wrong with God because God has set up this entire universe to come into a relationship with you so that you can spend the remainder of your life on this earth, learning how to spend your time with other people, learning to love them better and with God, learning to love him better. All of our life and following God is going to be a consistent practice and an effort towards building relationships with others and with God. Which is why when Jesus gives his greatest teaching and his greatest commandment, he says this, love God and love others. It's a commandment with the implication that you're not gonna do it naturally. You're not just gonna wake up and naturally and magically love God and love others. It's a commandment. We've got to work on it. 
And so your church family, your staff loves you really well. And so they put together this uh, series of talks here on some assembly required. And here's where we've been. Week one, you're gonna need a team. If you're gonna be about building relationships, you're gonna need a team around you for some support. Number two, you're gonna need some instructions. And the Bible is our instruction manual. Last week, Pastor Jacob talked about the fact that you'll need to set some boundaries and be prepared to set some healthy boundaries if relationships are getting to a point where they need some healthy boundaries around them to channel them towards their healthy end. And today, what we're gonna look at is the idea of persistency. That one of the things we're gonna have to put on in our relationships is this persistency mentality. And to learn about that, we're gonna jump into Luke chapter 11. So if you've got Bibles or apps or the screen open, we can read together here, Luke chapter 11. We're gonna start uh, in verse five, Luke chapter 11. And he, Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I want you to notice the first thing in this passage here and it's the problem. And here's the problem. The problem is that we don't wanna bother anybody. We don't wanna bother people, especially or including our friends. As human beings, we don't wanna bother anybody. As human beings, we don't wanna be bothered by anybody. We don't wanna be inconvenienced. We don't wanna feel like we might be an inconvenience to other people. It's a fundamental problem of being a human. And it was a problem in Jesus's time. Guess what? It's a problem in our time. Let's put this into our terms, right? You have a friend that comes into Jacksonville. They got that one cheap flight on Spirit, right? It got delayed eight hours. Then they landed and when they landed, they didn't have any food on the spirit because they don't have the food on the spirit unless you pay for it. And if you're riding spirit, you're probably not gonna pay for the food. That's kind of your strategy for that airline, right? You get here, all the restaurants are closed. There's no Chick-fil-A open because it's a Sunday. No Starbucks is open. No Whataburger if you're in Jacksonville, no anything else, right? So they get in the car and they drive to Ocala and they get here after midnight and they get to your house and they knock on the door and you open up and you let them in and they bring their bags in and they get settled. And then all of a sudden they come into the kitchen and they're like, listen, we are so starving. Do you have anything to eat? Can you make us some sandwiches? And you go, never fear. I'm a good host. I'm going to make this sandwich for you. So you go into the pantry and you open it up and oh my goodness, there is no bread, right? Is there anything more scary in life than realizing you have the meat and you have the cheese and you've got the whatever mayonnaise, mustard, you got the peanut butter, you got the jelly, but you got no bread. Is there anything more scary in life? Parents of children. Do you know what I'm talking about? Grandparents of grandchildren. You come in, you don't have the bread. You go, oh, I have a trick. I've got some hot dog buns. I'll just make it on that. Do your kids eat that? No, no, they do not. They reject that straight up. They're like, a hot dog's not a sandwich. And you're like, hey, let me talk to you about platonic concepts of sandwiches here, bro. It's, it's bread and it's stuff. This is how it works. And the kids are like, no way, I'm not gonna eat it. This is what's going on here. This person doesn't have bread, right? He's got the hot dog buns. I can't serve my guests hot dog bun sandwiches. What am I? Come on, man, it's not hospitable. So it's one o'clock in the morning. You decide to call a friend. Who do you call? Think about it in your mind right now. Who are you calling? Are they in this room? Are you looking at them right now? Are you texting them? I would totally call you in that scenario, right? You call a friend at Church of the Springs, you go over to Ron and Teddy's house maybe, I don't know, right? You're like, yeah, he seems visible. I'll go ask him, right? You get there, it's now 1.30, you knock on the door, right? You're like, hey, I need some bread. I only have the hot dog buns. I need to make some sandwiches, right? 
And the friend's like, hey, man, it's 1.30. Like, go away. I have an HOA, and our HOA boss lives across the street. Man, she's totally going to get on you. No disturbances. Did you not see the no trespassing sign? What's going on here? This is the situation that's going on. And you can see in the text, you can see it. On the one hand, the person in the house doesn't want to be bothered. It's 1.30. My kids are asleep. My dog's asleep. Come on, man. Just we, we, Listen, we'll feed them tomorrow. Just tell them go to sleep. We'll feed them tomorrow, right? The person who's knocking also doesn't want to be a bother. You can see how they kind of get to the door. They're like, doorbell, knock, ring. I don't know what to do, right? You can just see there's that tension. What's going on? Human beings, we don't want to bother people. It's a fundamental problem. It was in Jesus' time. It's in our time as well. I was reading a story a few years ago about a carpenter in Wisconsin who was framing out um, a fireplace mantle. And he was using his nail gun with three and a half inch nails, putting that thing in there. And somehow he turned the gun the wrong way and he shot and the nail went straight into his chest, straight into his heart and was sticking out of his chest cavity. And he has this moment. Yeah, yeah. You guys can go, oh, it's okay. It's okay to be, listen, you have freedom here to just react how you want to react. Uh, you know, I'm a you know, dialogical communicator, so I dig it. Anyway, that's how I get down. So there's now a nail in this guy's chest and heart, and it's kind of moving around. And he decides to get into his truck and drive to the hospital 15 minutes away, gets to the hospital. Security guard's like, what's your problem? He just does this thing, right? And he's like, come on through, right? And so he gets in, gets to the front, tells the nurses, hey, I got a nail in my chest. And they're like top of the triage. They get him back into the room and they put the like, you know, stage curtain around him and he sits down and then the doctor comes in and looks and is like, what seems to be going on here? And he says, there seems to be a nail in my heart. And he goes, okay, I see that. And then the doctor is doing all his questions and he asks the man this question. It's the question you're all thinking right now. Why did you drive yourself to the hospital? <laughs> Right? Why would you do that? That was so dangerous. You could have lost blood, you know, all this stuff. And here's what the man said to the doctor. I didn't want to bother anyone. Doesn't that sound like us? Anybody in here right now got something wrong with your heart? And yet you don't want to talk to your friends about it? You don't want to bother them. You don't want to inconvenience them with whatever's going on in your life. And yet you're walking around and everyone can see it. Something's wrong with your heart. But we don't want to bother people because we assume if we bother them, then that's going to be the end of the relationship and it should just happen naturally and it's not happening naturally. And so maybe there's no God and maybe I'm doing it wrong and all this stuff. Jesus is addressing just such a condition. And notice what his solution is. If we keep reading. Verse eight, I tell you, Jesus says, though he, this neighbor, will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, what that word is right there, he will rise and give him what he needs. Here is the hidden principle or the principle in this text. And that is this, friends keep talking. Here's what friends do. The main way that they are persistent is they keep talking to each other. They keep the dialogue open. They keep being present. They keep communicating. Hey, if you ever need anything, call me. If you ever need anything, just shoot me a text. I'll be there. I'm your friend. We're on that level. So let's just keep the dialogue box open. If the other friend ghosts him, he goes, I don't care that you ghosted me. I'm going to keep calling you. I'm going to show up at your house. I'm going to knock on your door. I'm going to ring the doorbell. I'm going to wave it ring. We are friends. And so what friends do is they keep talking. They're persistent in this way. Let me give you a definition of persistency here. Persistency is firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Friends keep pursuing one another. 
Uh, in relationships, you keep pursuing one another despite any kind of obstacles that may come your way. You keep talking, you keep communication channels open by text, by phone call, by email, by whatever app you use to communicate with one another. If you use Facebook Messenger, cool. If you use Instagram, whatever, cool, right? If you just direct message people on Twitter, cool. Whatever you use, if you use Snapchat, probably shouldn't use Snapchat, but if you use Snapchat, right? However, you just make sure the dialogue keeps going persistently. You don't let any kind of obstacles uh, keep you from that because that's what friends do. They keep talking. This man got the bread from his neighbor, not because they were friends. And keep in mind, Jesus wants you to know they're friends. They're on that level. You would think just because we're friends, I'm going to open the door, toss you the bread and clam the door real quick, right? He didn't get the bread because they're friends. He got the bread because they're friends and he was persistent. The principle Jesus wants us to just understand here is in friendships, they keep talking and they're persistent in this way. Now, I just wanna camp out here for a little bit and get really practical on this issue if you guys are okay with this. Um, I wanna talk to you really practically about the four stages of persistency in friendship, what it looks like. Uh, I've been doing ministry for over 20 years college students, young adults, uh, senior adults, everybody in between, you know, lead pastor ministry, all the stuff, right? I've been looking at adults across all kinds of contexts in America and across the world. And I have seen persistency play out in these four stages everywhere I go across all cultures, across all time periods that I've been alive. And it tends to always progress the same way. Think about your own friendships, your relationships, your neighbor, your family, whatever. I bet your relationship has progressed this way as well. So here's the first phase of any relationship as it's progressing. Number one, it's just going to take time to build relationships. Do you guys notice this? It just takes time. In other words, it's not going to happen instantly, okay? You're not going to walk into a room here to start a new small group and just like look into the room and go, uh, Florida State fans, I'm out, right? That's just, that's not going to happen, Florida fans. You're not going to walk in and be like, no, I don't like those guys. I'm coming over. Is there a Florida room, right? You're not going to walk in and look at somebody and go, yep, those are my lifelong friends. I just knew it. Like, this is not going to happen. It's going to take time. You're going to have to sit down at a table. You're going to have to get to know them. You're going to have to talk. It's just going to take time. And once you spend enough time, time is going to lead towards trust, Given enough context, knowing how people talk, knowing how they relate with you, you can go, okay, I know where this person's coming from. I've got a little bit of their story. I now, I now feel like I can trust them a little bit more with my life. It takes time to build trust. Once you have trust, you can now enter into transparency. I'll tell you a little more of my story. Here's a little bit more about what's going on in my heart, the nails I've gotten in my heart right here. Let me let, me let you in on that because I think I can trust you now. And once you have transparency, then you get to transformation. Transformation and relationships. These are the best relationships I'm a part of. These relationships change my life. Around here at Church of the Springs, and I'll just say for me, Doug Hankins, this is where I want everybody to be in their relationships. And the reason is because this is where God wants everybody to be in their relationships. That you can have these transforming, life-changing relationships with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, and with God. And so let me just give you a couple of practical examples of what this progression looks like in these various areas here. We can start with family, if that's okay. 
Um, Ron uh, told me if I do anything in a sermon, like he said, teach the Bible, uh, talk about Jesus. But number two, you have to tell the story about how you and your wife met because apparently it's unconventional, but whatever. Uh, I'm a fairly unconventional person. So here I was in the year uh, of our Lord 2000 uh, in Waco, Texas. Anybody know about Baylor University in here? Any Baylor fans? Sick and bears? Okay, right? Okay. So I was at Baylor University. My wife who's sitting over here with Teddy was at Baylor University. We were friends, we were acquaintances, we went to the same church and I had gotten to this point where I was ready to get married and I kind of wanted to find a wife and I just kind of, you know, for a lot of different reasons where God was working, I just decided Natalie is who I wanna pursue. She's probably the person I wanna marry and so I'm ready to get started. So what had happened was, right? You know it's a good story if someone begins this way, context, what had happened was. What had happened was, I went over to her house, actually her apartment, walked upstairs, second floor, knocked on the door, she opened it up, and here's what I said. This is my opening statement, my elevator pitch to her. Gentlemen, take notes, this is how it's done, right? All right, she opens the door, and now we're friends, acquaintances to friends, and I said, hey, Natalie, uh, I think God's telling us that we're gonna get married, So I feel like we should start dating as a step one, right? Yeah, that's what I said. 20 years old, January 2000, uh, um, uh, yeah, 2002, you can check it out, okay? And Natalie's response was this, I don't think so, I think you're mistaken and you need to leave now. And she shut the door, <laughs> right? Now, most men might've been, uh, you know, persuaded to pursue an alternate course of action but not me. Why? Because persistency is firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or oppression. And I said, okay, that didn't work. Let me go back tomorrow and try again. So the next day I come over and I knock on her door and she opens up. She's like, what? And I said, hey, I would really like to date you. Has anything changed overnight? And she said, no. But before she could close the door, I said, hold on a second. Do you have any trash in your house? I would love to take your trash out for you. And she said, sure, I have trash in my house. So she went, she got it, bound it up, brought it back out. Here you go. It's like, thanks. Walked it across the parking lot, put it in. There we go, great. Next day, came back over, knocked on the door. She opened up, she was like, what? And I was like, hey, uh, I'd still like to date you. Has anything changed with you? She said, no, nothing's changed with me. And I was like, all right, well, do you have any dishes that need being done? And she said, yes. And I was like, okay, can I come do them? And she was like, sure, right? I had moved from time to trust. She's letting me in the door, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So now I'm just in there doing her dishes, putting them up, like, okay, I'll see you later. Next day I come over and knock on the door. She's like, what? I'm like, hey, has anything changed? She said, no, nothing's changed. I'm like, okay do you have any homework that needs being done? Like I'm really good at homework, really good at school. Is there anything I can help you with? And she said, why yes. I'm in a mass communications class. I'm building an HTML website. Don't know how to do that. I was like, girl, I got you, right? So now I'm at her computer, right? Building a website for her. Hey, does this look good? Right, okay, cool, right? Leave. This happened day after day after day. I'd knock, hey, you interested in me? No, I'm not. Okay, what can I do to help serve you? How can I do anything to just be around you? How can I prove to you that I'm worthy of trust? How can I prove to you that I'm worthy of, worthy of this? And then at some point we moved from trust to transparency. I said, Natalie, what gives? Like you've seen me every day. Like I'm, I'm obviously not going away, what's going on? And she said, let me be real with you here, Doug. Here's the deal. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but last semester you did this dating experiment in our college and you dated every girl in our college, right? Except me. You dated every girl at our church. You went on a date with every girl in my small group Bible study. 
you went on a date with my roommate. And I looked over and her roommate was like, hey, Doug. And I was like, yep, yep, yep. She said, you went on a date with my neighbor. I looked down and there she was. I was like, yep, that's totally right. She's like, Doug, let me be real with you. I don't want to be a flavor of the week for you. I was like, okay, good. I don't want you to be a flavor of the week for me too. She's like, yeah, I don't want to play this game that you're playing. I'm, I'm really serious. I'm about a serious relationship. I want to get married. I want to be in ministry. And I just don't know that you're that guy. I said, well, thank you for being real with me. I want to prove to you that I'm that guy. What do I got to do? So we kept talking. We moved from time to trust to transparency. And then early February, it had been a month of me going over and knocking on her door. She finally called and said, why don't you meet me in the middle of campus? And so we met in the middle of campus and she said, hey, I like you now. I said, great, I like you too. And she was like, we should go on a date. I was like, yeah, let's go on a date. So guess what? We started dating. That was February 4th of 2002, okay? We dated for a year and a half and then got engaged on June 12th, 2003. Just in case you're curious, I marked it in my diary because you know what? Persistency. I wanna know what's up, I'm tracking everything along. We got married June 5th, 2004. We've been married almost 19 years. We got two kids, right? We got two kids now. We got a house. We, you know, we've moved a couple times, right? We, we got a life together. We got a family. We got a family. What happened? Did your family just happen overnight? No, it took time to build trust, to get transparent. And now we're in a transformative family relationship. That's how it works. Let me give you another example. Friendship, okay? It's the other type of relationship you're gonna have most commonly your friends, okay? So when we moved to Orlando in 2016, we were brand new here. I'm from Texas, Natalie's from Oklahoma. We didn't know anybody in Florida. So we're just trying to figure out Orlando. We go to our church, you know, we're mid thirties, we've got kids. It's really tough sometimes to be mid thirties and have kids and build community for the first time. Any mid thirties with kids wanna say amen? Yeah, okay, we got, we got a strong amen from this right here, right? So you just know that's the truth, right? So we're like, hey, we need friends. And so Natalie's idea was actually this. She said, let's just find some people who are mid-30s with kids. And if we have an initial conversation with them that works, then let's just invite them to be part of our own little small group that we're gonna call our supper club. Here's the whole premise of the supper club. We're gonna meet twice a month and eat dinner together. That's it. No prayer, no Bible study, none of that. If it happens out of that, great, we would be great. But at minimum, we just need to eat some food with some other humans in our phase of life and let our kids play around. So we met these four couples or three couples uh, and we were like, hey, you wanna join our supper club? And they said, yes. And so they came over to our house and Natalie cooks and she's a really good cook. And we had our first dinner together with these people that we kind of knew from church. We weren't really sure they might be, you know, ax murderers, they might be good people, I don't know. But we're in our house, we're at the dinner table and we've got the food and the chicken and the potatoes and whatever, and we're just sitting down. And it's one of those meals. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where you just, it's hard to generate conversation. You're like. Good chicken. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah chicken. It's poultry. You're like, yeah. P potatoes are good too. Yeah. You like potatoes? No, I don't like potatoes. Oh. Is it, are you allergic? No, no, I just don't care for them. Oh, okay. Green beans, huh? The greenest of beans, yeah. That's it for like the whole conversation. There were no sparks flying. We're not having all these amazing connections. They leave our house and we're just looking at each other like we're never gonna have friends. Like, you know, like if it's just more of these kind of dinners where we don't know each other, this is, I just don't know. We had dinner one, we had dinner two, we had dinner three, we had dinner four, we had dinner five. And you know, it just took time. 
And after each time we're like, do we wanna continue doing this? Man, we just gotta commit to it. We gotta be persistent to keep talking to these people. A few dinners in, we're at one of the other couple's houses and we're doing one of those new personality tests that's going around and we're just sitting down and we're talking and um, I just start sharing about, hey, this is what this personality test says about me. And everybody starts laughing. They're like, yeah, that's totally you. And I had this moment, I was like, oh, we've moved from time to trust. They now trust us. And so then we were like, hey, do anybody else wanna share your results? And someone shared her results. And we were like, oh yeah, that's totally you. And we're all laughing and building these cool moments. And we realized in the course of, you know, a couple of weeks of going over that personality test study, we were in transparency. We were starting to be real with one another. We met with this group for four years and then we moved to North Carolina uh, and I was doing some ministry in North Carolina and that kind of came to an end after a couple of years and we had to move back to Orlando to come be part of First Orlando and that kind of thing. And we were in this situation at the end of the summer where uh, Natalie's car was here, but my truck was still in North Carolina. And I just realized I had to fly up to go spend the night in our house and then get my car and drive nine hours back here. And I really didn't want to do this by myself. And I remember there's this one guy in our group and he had said, if you ever need anything, just text me. And I was like, man, oh man, I got to leave at seven o'clock tonight on a flight. I really don't want to bother this guy. It's like, you know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, okay, well, he told me I should, and I don't want to be a bother. So I finally send the text off. Hey, would you be willing to fly to North Carolina with me? Drive to my house, get my car, drive eight, nine hours back here, like all in the next 24 hours. And I send it off and I'm like, yeah, okay, Lord, it's in your hands. I see the three dots on there because I have an iPhone and that's how it works, right? And I'm like, okay, could be good, could be bad. And he's like, hold on, let me check with my wife. And I was like, okay, good husbanding. Note, good husbanding. Let me check with my wife, right? Some dots are on there. I'm like, oh no. And then he comes back. He's like, yeah, I'm in. What's your flight? And I send my flight to him and he buys it, pays his own way, gets the flight, meets me at the airport in Orlando. We fly to Charlotte. One of my interns from North Carolina picks me up, drives us to our house, drops me off. We go to sleep. We wake up the next morning. We pack my truck up as much as we can with stuff from there. We get in and we drive nine hours back all the way to Orlando. And I'm thinking to myself about halfway on this trip, why would a human being do this for someone like me? This is crazy. So I just asked him, I was like, hey, why would a human being do something like this for me? Like, why would you go on this trip? Why would you take time out of your week to go do this? And he says, man, listen, you're my guy. I love you. Like friends help each other out and you're my friend and I'd love to help you. It took time to get to trust, to get to transparency, to where we are now which is transformative relationships that impact us. And this is true of all relationships. And Jesus wants us to see it's especially true in our final relationship, which is our relationship with God. And so if you wanna keep reading with me here, Jesus says this at the end, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. The practice for us, the practice I want us to really get out of this text today is a practice of prayer. Prayer is whenever we keep talking to God, who is our friend. The best way for us to practice persistency is in our prayer life where we're talking to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Maybe you think about prayer as that magic mumbo jumbo you say in the middle of a basketball game before you go to the layup line. That's kind of how I learned about prayer when I was a non-Christian. It was like, I, you know, I didn't know Jesus from anybody, but all of a sudden I'm playing basketball and they're like, let's say the Lord's prayer. And you're like, what just happened here? And I went to a public school. I was like, what is happening here, right? 
Or maybe you're like, prayer is this thing I say before dinner, and it's just like, you know, bless us, O Lord, for these are our gifts from thine bounty on Christ alone, right? If you grew up Catholic, you kind of say that thing. Or maybe prayer is something those other Christians do, and maybe you're just not sure about it. Here's what Jesus says about prayer. He says, hey, when you go to a friend's house and ask for bread and you're persistent and that friend gives you something, guess what? That's what prayer is like. In fact, in this whole passage here, Jesus began Luke 11 by saying, the disciples ask him, how do we pray? And Jesus says, pray like this. And he teaches them the Lord's prayer. And then once he teaches them the Lord's prayer, he says, suppose you have a friend and you ask him for bread, persistency and friendship. And then says, Listen, so much more, your father is gonna be this way with you. This is what God wants for us to be in that kind of communication where even though we might ghost God, God still wants to talk to us because God wants to deal at the nails that are in our heart, the stuff that's holding us back. And he wants to do that in this thing called prayer. And so Jesus is encouraging us, the best way for you to practice persistency in a relationship is to practice it in prayer. Why? Because the way we relate to God and to learn how he relates to us positively impacts the way we relate to everybody else. Look at this verse in 1 John 4. John is writing uh, much, much later and he says this, beloved, if God so loved us, if God is loving us in this way, we also ought to love one another in this way. What's John reminding us? We don't try to love people in our own strength. We have a relationship with God and he demonstrates to us how much he loves us, that he lavishly loves us, that no matter when we ghost him, no matter when we turn our back from him, no matter when we feel too ashamed to talk to him, that God is constantly saying, I wanna be in a relationship with you. And when we learn that unwavering, unconditional love that God gives to us, it transforms us. We take time to pray to him. We build trust with him. We soon bring our transparency to him. And then he transforms our lives lives in prayer. And what we learn in prayer, we then begin to apply to everyone around us in our relationships. The best way for you to love your spouse is to love God first in prayer. The best way for you to love your kids is to love God first in prayer. The best way to love your neighbor who blows his leaves into your yard and you're like, bro, what is up? Boundaries. Jacob talked about this. Is to love God first in prayer so he can show you how to love your neighbor. Look at how Jesus concludes this section here in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil or broken or human, if you who are human know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What does God want for us? To be healthy in relationships, yes. Where do we start? We start in our relationship with him. Some of you are here today and you have a relationship with God, but maybe it's a little bit inconsistent because maybe you've been walking around with something in your heart that you're afraid to bring to God because you don't wanna burden him. And my encouragement for you today here is to understand God is not burdened by us. He loves us lavishly. No matter how far we run or turn away, once we turn around, we realize God is right there with us. He's constantly pursuing us. In Psalm 23, the most famous Psalm that we quote all the time, it says this, he has mercy and goodness following us all the days of our life. That word there is really like he's the, you know, secret service agents, mercy and goodness that are just with us at all times. If we go into the produce aisle, he's like, Doug is in the produce aisle, follow him around, right? That's the way God loves us. He's pursuing us. He loves us. He wants a relationship 
relationship with us. He wants us to pray to him because he wants to answer our prayers with more of himself to teach us what true love is like. And so if you're here today and you feel maybe a little bit far from God and you've been following him for a while, can I just encourage you with that? He loves you lavishly. He's crazy about you. Go to him in prayer. Number two, if you're here today and you've never received the Holy Spirit, Jesus is reminding us that you can pray to the Father and he will save you. Like these folks over here who just declared their faith in Jesus and were baptized, that can be you today saying, if there's a God in the universe, I wanna follow you with all of my heart and my mind and my soul and my strength. Jesus, teach me how to love everybody starting with you and then neighbor in that order for your glory and our good and the good of all that we know. And so here's what I wanna invite us to do today. I wanna invite us to pray in two ways and I'll facilitate. For those who are following Jesus, that you would follow him more in prayer. And those who are not following Jesus yet, that you would consider following him for the first time. I'll invite everybody to pray with me and I'll lead. Jesus, you taught us to pray to God this way. And so we're gonna pray, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We want your kingdom to come and your will be to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so here are our daily bread requests for this people group for the Church of the Springs. Number one, Father, for those who are following you but who feel a little bit burdened here today, Lord, would you meet them in prayer? Give them a resolve and a renewed energy to spend some time with you in prayer. And Father, would you answer their prayer requests in a still small voice and through scripture as you speak to your people whom you love. And Father, for the people who haven't followed you yet, may they pray something like this. Jesus, whatever it means to follow you, I want you to do it in me. I want you to lead me to follow you Bring a new life in me. Give me the Holy Spirit like you taught me to ask for. Change my life. Deal with the the metaphorical nails that are in my heart and do all of this that I might love you more and love others better. Father, we pray for both these things and for this congregation. Would you bless them? Would you bless their campuses? Would you bless the Middleton Project? And Lord, would you uh, inspire the staff with so much energy to lead well and love well that the Church of the Springs would be the kind of place that would spill over into this region with the love of God for your glory and for our good and for the good of this community we love. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.